Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Welcome to episode 99. Today Feels. we're going to party like it's 99. Feels good. Feels real good. I used to love walking up this old intro. This is a nice long stroll down functified lane, Chuck Freebie. <laughs> 72 degrees. 3 a.m. in the morning, everybody. How you doing? Episode 99 of the Sports Yak. What do you got for us today? Oh my goodness, there's all kinds of stuff going on on the high school scene. Let us start with baseball because there's a controversy a-brewing on the local baseball scene. There's a controversy brewing right now. No player with a 99 number? I do have a 99 number. That would be the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Oh yeah, there it is. I don't know that I ever saw him play. I was what? Yeah, I just wasn't a hockey fan. I just oh my goodness. Yeah, you missed you missed some great joy. Was he good? He was perhaps the best who ever lived. Yeah, on the ice. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the controversy on the diamond. Controversy on the diamond stems from Northridge downing Penn in the sectional on Monday. By a count of 2 nothing, Northridge has an outstanding young pitcher by the name of Davis Enfield. He's got a terrific slider. Uh, struck out 12, walked 6. Uh, that's important because that tells you that he threw a lot of pitches. And as they got into the seventh inning of the game, there's a rule in high school baseball that you cannot throw more than 120 pitches in a game. If you hit your 120th while you're in the middle of pitching to a batter, you can finish that batter out, and then you have to come out of the game. Okay. The official score keeps the pitch count. (coughs) The spring bulletin given by the IHSAA suggested that coaches check after every inning to get the pitch count. That was not happening at the Elkhart section. But the official score had it, and quite frankly, there were media members tweeting out pitch counts as the game went along. So I was sitting at Marion Field watching St. Joe play, and I knew the pitch count for Davis Enfield entering the seventh inning was 112. 
Apparently, this escaped the Northridge bench somehow. And so Davis Enfield gets the first two batters out in the inning, and his pitch count is now at 122. He's supposed to come out. He throws a pitch to the next batter, C.J. Cavadas. The Penn coaches confer. They go talk to the official scorer, talk to the umpire. He has to come out of the game. Now, in the regular season, that's a forfeit. When that happens, forfeit. It's over. Oh, wow. Because you've used an ineligible player. Okay. The IHSA, in trying to avoid just, you can imagine the storm that would have brewed on that one, had Northridge, one out away from upsetting Penn for the sectional title, had to forfeit the game. So the IHSAA decides the penalty for this is a one-game suspension for both the coach and the pitcher. And this is, there's all kinds of controversy around this. Number one, the controversy stems from the fact that, okay, you've got this person, the official score is keeping a pitch count, but is not allowed to intervene. They're not allowed to say, Okay, that's it. Now, in basketball, when a player gets five fouls, the official score signals to the referee, hey, that's five fouls. That player has to be removed from the game. Right. But that doesn't happen in this pitch count thing in baseball. Number two, the controversy, because the coaches didn't follow the recommendations of the spring bulletin, and it's one of two things. They either weren't aware of the pitch count or they knew the pitch count and tried to get away with it anyway. Let's give the benefit of the doubt on this. Okay. Let's give the benefit of the doubt and say, because they're in the midst of this big game. Exciting game happening. They they forget the pitch count. Whose job do you think it was to follow it? An assistant coach or the head coach? Well, well here's the thing. You've got three assistant coaches on the bench. Somebody should be keeping the pitch count. Yeah, because yeah. they're doing it in every other game. Right. Okay. And there's all kinds of technology these days to keep track of it. They do it in youth baseball leagues, for crying out loud. Could one of the assistant coaches ask the officials, like, hey, where are we at? We just want to make sure. Exactly. That's what you're supposed to do between uh, innings. Okay. That was not happening. And that was not happening. Uh, then there, then there's the thought process, for instance, in American Legion Ball during the summer when they have tournaments. Their official score will post the pitch counts in the press box window between innings. Take a big black magic marker, put up the pitch count numbers. So everybody in the park knows it. Quite frankly, I think, with the rules being what they are in youth baseball and high school baseball these days, scoreboards should be made. You know, we have shot clocks in basketball. We should have a pitch count counter so everybody in the park knows where we're at. None of that, of course, happened. So now he's at 122 pitches after the second out of the inning. He throws the pitch to C.J. Cavadas, 123 ineligible, has to leave the game. So now the suspension has been given by the IHSA for both player and coach. 
So let's look at the penalty given. Mm -hmm. Who's guilty on this? Well, the coach is obviously guilty. There's no pitcher out there on the mound who's keeping count of his own pitches. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. Unless, of course, there's a giant black marker on the but there's not press box behind him, and he can look up and go, all right, I'm at 112. Right. But but, but there's, there's not. not. So, nope, it's not the kid's fault. Everybody seems to agree on that. The IHSAA says, if we suspend the coach for one game, but don't do anything with the player, well, that's, that's hardly a penalty. Um, I've, this was a topic of great discussion on Twitter yesterday mm-hmm. among a number of people. And the best idea I saw was if you're going to make a penalty, that's got some teeth to it, but is fair to the player, the coach should have to serve a longer suspension than one game, perhaps the rest of the postseason, maybe some games, even into next season. You've got to do something that makes sure that this isn't going to happen again. Because if you're going to take the standpoint of this was intentional, which, I mean, you can make the argument that some coaches, I'm not pointing the finger at Andrew Brabender, I'm not saying Northridge was intentional in this. But if you're going to give a, a rule and a penalty some bite, You've got to do something to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. And one game suspension for a coach, in my opinion, just isn't enough. The one game suspension for the player, who really did nothing wrong other than following the coach's orders. I mean, is you know, really, is it up to the player to turn to the coach and say, excuse me? Right. How big of a pushback did Northridge give on the suspension? You would think like if they're truly like ignorant and we just lost count. I, w- I would be pushing. But if you're guilty. The problem is this isn't the first time this has happened in the Indiana High School Baseball Tournament since they put pitch counts in 2016. Okay. It happened last year to Indianapolis Cecina, and they received the same penalty. So you can give pushback all you want, but the penalty, the penalty is the same as it has been for other teams. And in my mind, it's like you pay attention to what happens around the state and you say, okay, well, this is what happened. This is the chance we're taking. So here's the thing. Northridge gets ready to play Mishawaka Saturday in the regional semifinal. Fact of the matter is, if they can beat Mishawaka without their number one pitcher, they'll have Davis Enfield for the championship game. I was going to say, does he get suspended for the next game he's pitching or just the very next game? Just the very next game. But he would probably be pitching in the very next game because there's some days gone by he's gotten his rest. Right. He's in high school. Yes. Okay. So they need their number two kid to step up. Yes. But if he does and gets the job done against Mishawaka, Enfield can throw in the regional championship game. Are they allowed to go to the game? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're not banned from the facility or anything. Just can't participate at all. Right. Okay. When is that? That'll be Saturday over in LaPorte. Um, Mishawaka looked very good in winning its sectional. Cavemen have had an outstanding season. They finished second in the NIC behind Penn. Uh, this is their second straight year of going to the regional. 
They've got excellent pitching in Grant Jablonski and Sam Shively and Ryan Watt. So Mishawaka is a force to be reckoned with. That Mishawaka-Northridge game should be a very entertaining one to watch. The game I saw Monday, St. Joe and New Prairie, as expected, great pitching in that game. Went extra inning. St. Joe winds up winning it by a count of 5-3. to three. So John Gump's team, which won the state title a couple of years ago, moves on to play Western in the regional semifinal over at Griffith on uh, Saturday. Then in 2A, LaVille, great story here, Corey. LaVille had not won a baseball sectional since 1991. And here they are 28 years later. They get a, a sectional title. They shut out Eastside on Monday, 7 to nothing. Isaiah Herbster throws a wonderful game. And this is one of the things you're, you're seeing a theme here of great pitching. The pitching really comes to the fore in the tournament. So LaVille moves on to the uh, regional semifinals. And then South Central, team down in South LaPorte County, we talked about them last week. They have the two top home run hitters in Indiana High School Baseball in Carson Hussman and Kyle Schmack. And they will play here at Four Winds Field in South Bend against Fremont on Saturday. A follow-up question about this young Davis Enfield, two-parter. Mm-hmm. Do you see him as going on into a college career? And if so, does that remain on his record, this suspension thing? The suspension is no big deal because it's nothing he did disciplinary-wise. Okay. No, Not a blemish. Yeah. That that for a college is nothing. Okay. Uh, and, yes, I think he could pitch in college baseball. He has an outstanding slider. You want to talk about women's uh, softball team over at Penn High School? Well, Beth Zachary has done it again. She's put together another outstanding team. They win their sixth consecutive regional, and they blasted a pretty good Northridge team last night by the count of 15-1. to one. Five homers. It is the year of the home run, Corey, and, and I've put in some questions to, to people downstate, but maybe I should ask some of my softball coaching friends around here. Prior to this year, the the record that I can track for home runs by a team in girls softball is 36 for a season. There are at least six teams around the state that have 40 or more home runs for the year. And Penn hit five last night in the game, two of them off the bat of Brenna Brown. And so... There's something a little bit different. I don't know if the ball's different or the bat, but something is different, and girls are hitting home runs at a pace we haven't seen in the state of Indiana. So Penn hits five homers. They win 15-1. They'll go on to the semi-state. They have the co-MVP of the NIC uh, throwing for them in Mackenzie Griman, terrific pitcher, and we'll see if Beth Zachary's Kingsman can make it down to the state finals. Um, Jimtown and New Prairie both eliminated in regionals last night with one-run losses. Lakeland and Bremen both hoping to get regional games in today, although the forecast is not necessarily promising. White Sox were all over major network news this morning, ah. but probably for not the reason you'd think. What'd you think of that first pitch? One of the worst first pitches Probably in baseball history. I don't know who that woman was. But I didn't get a, a name. I, I I thought I caught that she was a part of the head office, but she did a uh, 
She fired a ball at the photographer who was on the far left of the plate and a lot closer than the actual plate. And it's all over Twitter and Instagram and Facebook today. But White Sox did uh, get a couple wins. Yeah, they finished up a suspended game and won that one 2-1. And then Lucas Giolito threw a marvelous game in the nightcap of that doubleheader. Ten strikeouts. He's now 7-1 and one on the year. Here's a kid who really had kind of struggled in his first couple of big league seasons and now seems to have figured it out. And the White Sox find themselves just a, a game and a half behind Cleveland for second place in the American League Central. The problem is... You're way far back of the Minnesota Twins who are running away with the American League Central right now. But at least for the White Sox, uh, David Haw had an article in the Chicago Tribune on Memorial Day. 500 is a realistic goal for this White Sox team, and I think they're about four games below 500 right now. They've got some bright young talent. Uh, they've made no bones about it. They're building for a couple of years down the road. But you take a look at players like Tim Anderson, who's had a very exciting year. Aloy Jimenez, who we saw here in South Bend, and he went over to the White Sox in the Carlos Quintana de- or the Jose Quintana deal and uh, has played well since coming back from the injured list. Giolito's developing as a very good pitcher. They just need some more arms. Their, their fourth and fifth starters are, are pretty bad. Five home runs from the Cubs last night. Well, this was a frustrating game to watch as a Cubs fan because the Astros have their three big stars on the injured list right now. George Springer is out. Carlos Correa is out. Uh, the other player escapes me right now. But you're playing against, as Jim Deshays called them, the the B team of the Houston Astros, and you still can't beat them. Astros win last night 9-6. to John Lester did not look good in this outing, gave up seven runs in five-plus innings. And the Cubs, yeah, they hit five homers, but four of them were solo shots. And so they've lost four out of five, and their lead over Milwaukee is down to a half a game. And you look at the division as a whole, there's only five games difference between the last-place Cincinnati Reds, who are suddenly hitting the ball at a pace that we haven't seen the Reds hit in a long time, Five games different between first and last in the National League Central. So that should be a fun division to watch as the season unfolds. It's not so fun for the Cub fans right now because their team is in a bit of a skid. We are knocking on the door of June. No word on Ben Zobrist. When do you think it might be like, I'm done? What part of the season, if we don't hear from him by a certain time, I would I would say the middle of June. Yeah. If you don't hear from him by the, eh, he could need more, t- maybe Fourth of July or something like that. But I would think by the middle of June you'd at least hear something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Red Sox have an infielder by the name of Dustin Pedroia who has been doing rehab stints down at Pawtucket, and now he's kind of given indications. I don't know if I can come back from this injury, this problem that I have, my career might be done. And Ben Zobrist is 38 years old. And when he comes back, if he comes back, when he comes back, he's going to need some time down in the minor leagues to rehab and get ready so that he can come back and, and be a factor on this Cub team. But, you know, it's it's impossible right now to say what his mindset is 
going through this personal crisis of divorce. Tigers suck. Boy, they've been bad. Uh, an epic bad. Yeah, they won last night 3 nothing, But the stretch that they were on for the last dozen games, one of their worst stretches since 2008, and that was a really bad Tiger team. Uh, they're Well, they're behind the White Sox in the standings. That That's really all you need to know right now. They're 15 and a half games out of first place, and I don't know what Ron Gardenhier can do. He's got Miguel Cabrera, who's you know ancient and aging, and there's not a lot around him, and the bullpen's not all that good. It's going to be a long summer in Detroit, which, you know, it's a long summer in Detroit anyway, just because you're in Detroit, but going to be a tough summer for Tiger fans. Locally in South Bend, Cubs fall to Lake County 10-3. to They've got a early game today. I'm yeah, guessing probably a school uh, field trip kind of day. Yeah, it's education day, so they're hoping to get that one in, although the forecast is questionable. Buddy Bailey hit a milestone, I believe it was on Monday, when they beat West Michigan one nothing. He is now ninth in terms of minor league managers all time on the wins list. And he passed a fellow by the name of Lefty O'Doul, Lefty O'Doul played with Babe Ruth. <laughs> That's how long ago Lefty O'Doul set his minor league record. Uh, so Buddy Bailey is a lifer in minor league baseball. He's doing a good job with the fundamentals of this Cubs team. Uh, the franchise seems to like him a lot. When Joe Hart has been in here, he's talked glowingly about Buddy. And so hopefully um, South Bend can... can find its mojo, and and surge back into first place in the Eastern Division. We've run through our list. We have run through our list. Um, Well, hockey playoffs continue tonight. Boston with a 1-0 lead on St. Louis. And then the NBA playoffs. I don't understand, Corey, why they need so much time. I realize the schedule is set ahead of time just in case there are seven-game series in the conference finals. Right. But you would think some kind of adjustment could be made with their TV partners because you have to wait till Thursday for this Golden State-Toronto series to start. And it's just like, how long has it been since the Golden State Warriors have played a basketball game? <laughs> I mean, I, I think Steph Curry could have taken a vacation and come back and played the NBA Finals. This thing is dragging on forever. And it's Golden State and Toronto. I mean, I understand. Toronto's got Kawhi Leonard. I understand Golden State is this dynasty. Let me ask you as the casual fan, because that's your role on this show. That's right. Do you care? Uh, No. I watched Golden State play... Who was the most previous team that they just played? Portland. I was... uh, out of town watching that game. I thought it was a slow game. For some, I haven't watched a lot of NBA. I just thought it was kind of lackadaisical, and I just was not impressed with either team. And I understand Golden State is on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But these games are going to start. The ones that aren't on the weekend are going to start at 9 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time. I'll be looking forward to you covering that score for well, me the next day. Well, you know where I'll be? I'll be looking it up when I wake up in the morning because Uncle Chuck ain't staying up for that, kids. No, Serene, not him. Because the Bulls aren't in it, and they won't be for our lifetimes. 
1999, episode 99. And what song did you go with? I went with what we opened the show with. Even though it wasn't made in 1999, when I think of 1999, this is all I can think of. We should do our homework. I'm trying to remember if this actually charted again that year. It had to. Because of the title. I'm going to do some homework on that. We were all worried about Y2K. We were all worried about the, the millennium and whether our computers would work and if the world would just shut down. Of course, nothing happened, but... Not a thing, Chuck Freeby. Hmm, what am I going to go with from 1999? Will you be fighting, Foo? Yeah. This is good stuff. Learn to fly. By the way, they... If you play your cards right, they're a great lawn mowing playlist, the Foo Fighters. Oh, I believe that. You can grab a couple of great songs from each record, good little 45-minute to an hour mow. You it's and Dave stuff. Letterman would get along well. We get along real well. Yeah, he loves himself some Foo as well, doesn't he? He loves to help fight the Foo. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chuck, we are on the precipice of episode 100. Who would have thunk? Now what are we going to do? Yeah. We're going to keep pressing on, moving forward, and doing what we do. Okay. Because the numbers represent people are listening. That's true. (laughs) Episode 100, maybe we can come up with some guests. Maybe we can come up with something interesting. Something. As opposed to, you know, what we just did. Maybe we'll prank call some athletes. Hey! Turn this into a, a podcast zoo, if you will. Hey, oh, boy. Let me do some character voices, get some honking horns, prize wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we need. Sounds awesome, doesn't prize it? Prize wheel. Yeah. All right. Until next time, maniacs. Ooga looga. This is the Sports Yak Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wings and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.